My name is uh, Dal Emerson. I was a pastor in Owasso, Michigan for 28 years at the same church. Um, I didn't go into the ministry until I was about 40 years old. And I, for the, right after college, I started building and designing homes up in Petoskey area, northern Michigan. They were second homes, and they were really, really something. Uh, didn't like to necessarily work with rich people. Some of them were me, but, but I enjoyed that. And then after five years of that, I worked for Adidas uh, Shoe Company, and I traveled the state of Michigan for uh, nine years, and I was a regional sales manager for 21 states for another two or three years. So I've had a varied amount of things that I've done. I'm sure I'm still not sure what I'm going to do when I grow old, when I grow up. <laughs> but you know, I've, I've kind of gotten there. I've been retired for 10 years, and in that time, I've written a number of books, six of them, and one of them is what I'm going to talk about this day, and that is witnessing for timid Christians. Witnessing for timid Christians, and it just hit me one day as I was thinking and praying, why are we so timid as Christians to get out and witness? If I were to tell you this afternoon, we are going to go out and we are going to witness for Jesus Christ, what would your attitude be? A lot of it would probably be fear, wouldn't it? Amen. Amen. <laughs> we got a vocalist back there. Amen. And, and that's how I used to feel about it, because to me, witnessing was a spiritual assignment that I had to do to make the pastor happy, to make the people in the church happy, to make God happy, to make my Savior Jesus happy. And so I, I, it, it's a fearful thing to do. I've got to do it. But let me tell you, witnessing is nothing to be fearful of. We fear it. Like a taxi cab driver that went to the airport in New York City to pick up somebody. And the man had never been in New York City before, so he got in the cab. They were driving down Fifth Avenue, and he wanted to know a little bit about the city. So he, he tapped the taxi cab driver on the shoulder. The taxi cab driver went berserk. He went nuts. Adrenaline went down his foot. He pressed down on the accelerator. He went 60 miles an hour down Fifth Avenue, Fifth Avenue, hit it car spun around up on the sidewalk right through a plate glass window. Glass just shattering down for a couple of minutes. And the guy in the back seat, he said, I am so sorry, mister. This, I, I didn't mean to scare you like that. And the driver said, oh, not your fault, he said. This is my first day driving a taxi in New York City, and for the past 25 years, I've driven a hearse. <laughs> and nobody's ever tapped me on the shoulder. <laughs> Nobody. Well, that, that's what we fear sometimes, isn't it? We, we're just afraid of, of doing something like this. But I want to set a, a couple things straight with you about witnessing. Witnessing is not evangelism. We think, if we're told about witness, that we have to lead somebody to know Jesus Christ. That is not what witnessing is about. Witnessing is not memorizing a lot of scripture. I have one verse that I use when I witness sometimes. And sometimes I just witness in a, in a I love to horse around with people, and so I'll say to people, just as a witness, you know, 
I love Jesus, so I can't be jealous of your new car. Wish I could be, but I can't be. And just those type of things. Witnessing is, is, is not knowing a lot of theology. Witnessing is, is just sharing with people what Jesus has done in your life. And we're told to witness. If you, if you have your Bibles, you can open to Acts 1. Acts 1. I'm going to center this whole message around verse 8. Acts 1, verse 8. Jesus himself is talking just before he ascended into heaven. And he's saying to his people, now these are the last words he was going to say to the people, to his disciples. So they're very, very, very important words. And he says to his people, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Jesus in this is asking all of us to be witnesses. Every one of us. At the end of the message, I'll, I'll explain to you what would happen if, if the disciples hadn't witnessed, hadn't become his witnesses. Where would we be today? But we'll talk about that. Witnessing is also not a spiritual obligation, as I mentioned. We had some neighbors, Mike and Betty, and they moved to Tennessee, down in the Appalachian Mountains in a valley, around the Appalachian Mountains, and we called them up one day and said, can we come down and, and see you? Now, they weren't church-going people. They weren't, they never professed to know Christ as their Savior. So they said, yeah, come on down. So we went down, we had a great night that night. The next morning, we got up and she, Betty fixed an amazing meal for us. And then we went out and sat on the front porch. It was a beautiful morning. Birds were singing. The mountains were there. It was a beautiful valley. And, and Mike said to me, he said, Cal, you must really love us uh, to come all this way to see us. Well, I thought that was a huge door opening. And I just started quoting scripture. I thought, you're going to hear about Jesus now, Mike. And I started quoting. What about the second scripture I quoted? Mike wasn't even there anymore. He was sitting there, but he was fixing the gate that goes into the garden that had to be fixed. Betty was in cleaning up the, the kitchen, even though she was sitting there with us. I totally lost it. It was a spiritual obligation. The Holy Spirit was not leading me to do it. And so I, I really, really blew it. And Jesus said, he said, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And I'm going to add a word in there, and I know I've got to be careful with this. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then, I add the word then, you will be my witnesses. In other words, don't try it without the work of the Holy Spirit in you. Witnessing can be defined as a witness is one who has seen or heard something and therefore can give a first-hand account. A witness is one, again, who has seen or heard something, seen or heard something, and can therefore give a first-hand account. When I was a, a teenager in high school, my brother was driving us home. And just as we turned the corner to go the last quarter mile, the bus had just let my younger brothers and sisters and some neighbor kids off, and they were walking. It was cold, so they kind of flagged us down. Well, my brother had to get way over in the far left lane. It was a two-lane road, the far left lane with oncoming traffic coming, to not hit the kids. And the kids started piling in the car. We had both the front door and the back door open. We had a lot of room in the car. They started piling in. 
Denny Nunn, my mother was in the front seat on the passenger side. She grabbed Denny Nunn and, and drew him in and tried to slam the door. Well, here comes a car driven by a farmer that was known to have too much to drink quite often, racing around the corner. He saw us. He couldn't stop. He didn't even try to stop, I don't think. He, Denny Nunn saw him coming. He ran across the road and bang, the car hit him. And the car spun around up on the snowbank. I got out. I couldn't find Denny. He wasn't in the field. He wasn't in the snow. He wasn't down the road. And then I thought, maybe he's under the car. And there he was, under the car. They had him jack up. They had the owner jack up the car. He was so stooped, drunk, that when he jacked it up, the wheel was still going around. It was still in gear. But I, I went under and got Denny. Denny was okay. He had a burn on his leg from the muscle. Um, about two weeks later, the attorneys called me in the office, and, and he wanted to know what happened. What did you see? What did you hear? Now, the attorney did not ask me what I thought about drunk driving. He didn't ask me what I thought about Alcoholics Anonymous. He didn't ask me to quote the, 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 the 10 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. He didn't do any of that. He said, what did you see and what did you hear? I was a witness to that accident. And so we talked about what that was. Again, a witness is one who has seen or heard something and therefore can give a first-hand report. So, when we come to witnessing, I have to ask you, what have you seen and heard? What have you seen Jesus do in your life? It's not just the, oh golly, that's, thank you. It's a hallelujah, praise the Lord. What have he done in your life to encourage you, to help you along in life? Because those are the things you have to, to talk about when you're witnessing. And again, witnessing is not quoting scripture. Witnessing is not bringing salvation to someone. That could happen down the road, but that's not what witnessing is. It's what Jesus has done in your life. What your salvation meant to you. It's not a cold-hearted religious obligation. There are two very distinct parts of witnessing, and I make that very clear in the book. It's out there in the back. Um, I've got permission from your pastor to set up there, and if you want one, uh, they're about $100 each. No, I'll give them to you for less. I'll give them to you for less. Okay. Two distinct parts of witnessing. I'm only going to do the first part this morning. Next week, I'll tell you about the second. And if you want to read the book ahead of me, you don't have to come next week. It's open. <laughs> I give you permission. Again, Jesus is saying, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And today we're going to talk about that power. And, and again, I say, don't try witnessing without this power. Because you're going to fail, according to what Jesus is saying here. So, if you can, uh, I, I, I beg your pardon for this, but could you all stand for just a moment? Just stand up. If you can't, that's okay. I understand. You don't have to. Okay. okay. Now you can sit back down. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure nobody was sleeping because this is an important part of the message. There's a couple of you sleeping back, but that's okay. 
The part that I want you to understand in witnessing is you must earn the right to speak into somebody's life. In other words, you don't go up to somebody on the street corner. You can do that, and people have been saved that way. But you don't come, go up to them and say, I want to tell you about what Jesus has done in my life. They don't even know me. It doesn't work that way. You've got to earn the right to speak into somebody's life. You can, you can take a megaphone. They, they were doing this in Owasso a couple weeks ago. Farmer's Market was going on downtown. And they, the guy was walking up down the streets in a megaphone telling people to either get saved or burn in hell. Oh. Well, that went over to after the priest took him to jail. <laughs> no, they didn't. But we must earn that right. And the power Jesus sends us gives us that power to speak into somebody's life. It's, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. It's Holy Spirit power. And it's a power, when, when we think of power, we think of, oh, uh, I, I love to watch truck and tractor pulls. There was one tractor that, that, that in a specialty category they had, it had six engines, there was five, Anyways, he had a total of 6,000 horsepower. 6,000 horsepower going down the track. That's a lot of horsepower. That is power. I love the sound of that. Six synchronized engines. I'm perfectly synchronized. That's power. We think of power as military power. When I was in business, they talked about corner office power. The person who had the corner office was the most powerful person on the floor. That means the other three corners, which are the men's and the ladies' bathroom, when you were going to the bathroom, you were powerful. I don't know what it meant. But I never saw that. But it, it, was, a, it was a corner office power. Um, but we're not talking about muscle power or anything like that. We're talking about Holy Spirit power. What? does the Holy Spirit bring to us when we receive that Spirit? What do we receive? You can find the answer in, in, in Galatians 5.22 if you want to go there. Galatians 5.22 The power we receive is the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is far greater than any power you can have to move mountains the fruit of the Spirit is a greater power than if you could heal somebody, if you could quote the whole Bible word to word for word, if you were a theologian and you knew everything about every religion it was. The Holy Spirit power is an amazing power. It's greater than anything we have seen. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, those don't sound like powerful words, do they? You don't think of love as a powerful word. But it is. It's a powerful word. Again, these, these words, love is a greater power than the power you might have to move about. Greater power. Isn't that amazing? It's greater power than healing the sick. 
The fruit will win you the right to speak into a person's life. So the witness, the first, the first part of witnessing, we're going to talk about this morning, and we're just about done. The first part of witnessing is walking in the fruit of the Spirit. Now, how are people going to feel? Again, we're trying to earn the right to speak into their lives. How are people going to feel around you if you love them? If you sincerely love them, how are they going to feel about that? They will respond to you. They will talk to you. You will be able to share your personal testimony down the road. I'll guarantee you that. I understand that now. I didn't when I was trying to encourage men with coffee and Bible study. I didn't realize it, but my caring for them was something they really hungered for. A pure love, a good love. And greater than a husband and wife love, almost. Because we've been married 54 years, right? 53. That's what I said. I don't correct. <laughs> He's always doing that to me. And, and our, my love for this woman started in the 10th grade in high school. And uh, we dated and then got married after college. But uh, she's not that, no, I'm not that easy to get along with. I'll put it on me. And, our, and so that love is a great love, but it's not perfect. It's far from perfect. So the first part is the easy part. The first part of witnessing, you don't have to say a word because people are watching you. Somebody in the back of a bus can be watching you as you get on the bus and judging you by what you wear or what, how you handle yourself or who you, know, who you throw out of the seat so you can have one. Uh, people are watching you. And so witnessing, the first part of witnessing is easy. We talked about being a light. Matthew 5, Jesus is saying, you are the light of the world. A city hid on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a lampstand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men. As we love people, as we are joyful, as we are at peace with people, our light is just a glaring light in their eyes. And we have become a light for Jesus Christ. So, allow, let, let me just go through a few things to see, show you how this works. You are a light, let your light shine. The first sign of God's light flowing through you, the first fruit is love. And we know that love is one of the greatest powers there is. It's greater than a nuclear bomb. If you love people, if the world could love each other, there would be no bombs, ever. Love is important. Everybody is hungry for love. So there was a TV evangelist on at one time a few years ago, and he would say, Jesus loves you and so do I. And I wanted to say to him, you don't know me. How can you possibly love me? And, and I was a little bit offended, and I thought all he really wanted was my money. Come to find out that's all he wanted was my money. But he, he used the love word to get it. 
Um, and love is a great and wonderful thing. In 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, we read about it. But before we get into what love is, Paul tells us in, in, in chapter 11, sorry, I'm in the wrong one. Chapter 11, verse 30. Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But eagerly desire the greater gifts. And now I will show you the most excellent way. And then chapter 13 starts. The love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. Now, think of relaying this to people around you. And when we're witnessing, we're witnessing to maybe one or two people a year. We're not witnessing to everybody we see. I have coffee right now with two different men. And, and they're the ones that I'm going to try to witness to. I've been trying. Uh, it might take me a year or two years to break through the barrier uh, that they, the, fence, the, the, the wall they have put between us. But it's going to happen because I love them. And God has put that on my heart. It, does, it is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angry. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. How powerful is love? How powerful is joy? We have a friend named Jan. And Jan is about our age, right in her 40s. And <laughs> It wasn't a nice time to laugh. <laughs> she's, a, she's probably in her 70s, early 70s. And Jan is in a lot of pain. She has problems, but she is the most joyful person I've ever known. And she, Jan collects women around her. They actually do exercises in, in one of the fast food restaurants. Women have come up to Jan and said, I want, to, I want you to mentor me. Why? Because she's joyful. Everybody loves to be around Jan. Joy is powerful. The second fruit of the Spirit. Peace, excuse me, is powerful. When, it, when you, one of the men that I've worked with for about 20 years, he finally came to know Christ. But um, he told me many things about his life. I never once criticized him. I didn't agree with it, but I didn't criticize. Quite often as Christians, we get combative, don't we? We try to tell people what they need to know, and, and it doesn't always work. Joy, peace, is a way of, of, of without saying a word, of being, winning the right to speak into somebody's life. Patience is. Patience is not a one-time thing. Patience is something that you put up with over, over a, a month, two months, two years, 20 years. You're in no hurry. I was taught at, in the business world, I, was, I bought some advertising for Adidas, um, and I was taught that on a billboard, the big billboard you see on a highway, somebody has to go by that billboard five or six times to understand what the billboard is trying to tell them. People don't grasp things right away. We have to have patience. 
and not just shove it down their throat. We've got to build that relationship in order to speak into their life. So the first part of witnessing is just walking in the fruit of the Spirit. You don't have to say a single word. People don't understand that. They think they've got to go in, in one sitting, quote all the verses enough to bring somebody to know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. Witnessing is not evangelism. And you don't have to do that. Patience gives you that, but you don't have to do it. In closing, let me just ask you this. The disciples are, Jesus has just said this to the disciples. The disciples are really upset because Jesus was with them he died on the cross. He left them. He didn't do anything to come down off the cross. He was buried. He rose again, walked on this earth for 40 days, and then ascended into heaven. He was going to ascend into heaven. The disciples, I mean, what, what are you going to think? Well, it was good while it lasted, but let's go back to the upper room, pack up our backpacks, and go home. And, and James and John went back to fishing with their father. They didn't witness. Went back and his father said, well, well, what did, how did it go? Well, it was a wonderful journey while it lasted, but it's over. Uh, he, he, he's left us again. And there's miracle after miracle, I can tell you, but then people wouldn't believe me if I told them all that Jesus did. So they went home and went fishing again with their dad. Matthew went back to the, the uh, booth where he collected taxes. He was more honest. But the people didn't know that anything had happened in his life because he, he, he was a tax collector, which is a, a very um, questionable position. So they didn't witness. Where would you be today? Where would I be today if the disciples did not witness? They packed it up, went home, it was over. Would you know Jesus Christ today? Would you know that you would be heaven bound today if the disciples didn't witness? We would probably still be under Jewish law. All 600 man-made parts of the law plus the Old Testament Jewish law. That's where we would be if the disciples hadn't witnessed. So I ask you, how important is your witnessing going to be to the people whose lives you touch in the community you live in, at work, at play, in the stores? How important is it for you to be walking in the fruit of the Spirit, allowing the fruit of the Spirit to shine through you? How important is that? It's life-saving for those around you. Jesus has called every one of us to be a witness. And the first part of that witnessing is walking in the fruit of the Spirit, letting your light shine to everyone around you. The second part of witnessing we'll talk about next week. And again, if you want to get the book and read it, you don't have to come. That's I talked to the pastor about it. He said, I should ask him. So let, let me pray with you. Father, I pray, holy God, that you would help us understand the power that you have given to us 
the fruit of the Spirit, the power that you have given to us to, to touch the world, to encourage the world, to love the people around us, to be joyful, Father, to be at peace, to have patience, to be kind to people around us, even when we don't feel like it, even when they haven't earned that. Father, help us as witnesses to take that first step and just to rejoice in what you've called us to do. And Father, we have found, I have found, that there is not a greater thing in this world that brings me greater joy than to do kingdom work. So I pray that you would go with us today as we go, and that these words would just simmer for a while in our hearts and sink in, that we could be great witnesses in the years to come. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much for allowing me to be here. Um, if nobody shows up next week, I will be offended. I will be offended. Okay? Thank you.